0: Yeah, just I think just as Michelle was um, Michelle Michelle was praying for me just now. Just sort of like that. Um, just sort of the picture came to mind of um, of uh, in in the Gospel of John. He he, he describes himself. John describes himself as the as the um, as the disciple, the one that Jesus loved. And often when I think of John, it's sort of this picture of him like leaning, like resting in Jesus, leaning up against Jesus, and Jesus is actually sharing with John. What's on Jesus' what's on Jesus's heart, and and I just got the sense that you know, like this morning, um, we have this time we can, we can almost like just almost like imagine ourselves leaning or resting in Jesus and Him actually sharing with us what's on His heart, His heart this morning. Uh, Lord, thank you for your your nearness to us, and Lord, that you desire intimacy with us. And and even even now, Lord, would you would you um, help us to know that you are near to us, and we can rest? Even now, Lord, almost like taking a taking a rest in this moment. It might be a busy week. There might be a lot of stuff going on, a lot of stressful things, and difficult situations going on. But may we rest in this moment, and may we almost may we hear your heartbeat and your love for us today, Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> All right. So I thought we'd begin with a a wee uh, wee exercise. I quite like sort of imagination, uh, using my imagination and doing like thought exercises. And so there's two parts to this exercise. It's very simple. First of all, um, I'd like for us all to think of somebody, think of someone that you'd describe as generous. Maybe it could be a a parent or your parents, or maybe it's a workmate, could be a friend, might even be a child. Uh, Just think of somebody that's it's generous. When you think of a generous person, this person comes to mind. And then, then, then just sort of think about what is it about that person that makes you think they're generous? Maybe it's something they've done. Maybe it's just this whole, whole demeanor. What's it about this person that you're thinking about? What, what's, it, what's it about their personality? And, and also thinking about are, are they somebody that you like to be around? That's, that's the first part, thinking about somebody. And now, now the second part is to imagine, imagine a time or remember a time, think of a time when you've experienced generosity. Maybe it was the person that you thought about in part one. Maybe it was the first person we've just been thinking about that was, that was generous to you. Or maybe it was, maybe it was someone else. And try to, what I like to do is sort of like try to relive or to to remember what happened and to really capture the feelings, like how did you feel and sort of how did you feel in that moment? Reliving it in your imagination. And the reason that I thought it'd be interesting to, to do this is because generosity is powerful. Like I think that, that most of us here would have been able to bring to mind someone uh, that is generous, and, and that g- the generosity actually like, helped, us, helped us enjoy being around them. There's something, about, something appealing about them. I mean, if somebody's being generous to you, you kind of want to be around that person. And it helps it helps help shape our impression of them. The generosity is is powerful and, and also generosity is is transformative. Again, like my, my guess, my hunch is that when you when you remembered a moment that you experienced generosity, it, it brought back feelings. Maybe you actually experienced good feelings, nice feelings again. And and you can relive it because because these moments they they stand out in, in your memory or in our memory. Generosity is powerful and transformative. It can change us, and it can, change, uh, it can change, change people. It blesses people around us, and it can change situations. And generosity flows from the heart of God. So today I want to focus in on this, the generosity of God and how we can, how we can reflect his goodness in our world. I was going to call it go with the flow, to go with the flow of God, to go with the flow from God. So we're going to go back into the book of Exodus. Exodus is the second, second book in the Bible, and it tells the story of how God set a desperate people, the Israelites, free from slavery. They'd been in slavery to the Egyptians for hundreds of years. And, um, and then about 3,500 years ago, a long, long time ago, uh, God set them free. And so Exodus is like the Exodus of the Israelites. Exit. The Exodus of the Israelites. As slaves, when you think about slaves, they would have had hardly any, hardly anything, hardly any power, hardly any possessions. They were brutally treated, it says in Exodus chapter 1, they were brutally treated by the Egyptian slave drivers. But God heard their cries. And he powerfully set them free. And in setting them free, he provided everything they needed. And if you want to read the backstory, then Exodus... Chapters 1 through to 11 is where you, want to, where you want to read. God sends plague after plague upon the Egyptians until, until Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, eventually he relents and the Egyptians become desperate for the Israelites to leave. But God isn't about to send the Israelites out into the wilderness with, with nothing. And this is, I think, this is so fun. <laughs> Talking about the generosity of God. And uh, there we go Exodus. It's just, I don't know, just trying to capture where, where, what's going on. Like, we've got slaves. They've got nothing. They've got no power. They've got no possessions. And then, and then Moses tells them, he goes this, and the people of Israel, this is Exodus 12:35. and the people of Israel did just as Moses instructed. They asked the Egyptians for clothing and articles of silver and gold. The Lord caused the Egyptians to look favorably upon the Israelites, and they gave the Israelites whatever they asked for. So they stripped the Egyptians off their wealth. And uh, <laughs> it's amazing. Other, uh, other translations, they say they plundered the Egyptians. And, but these, are, these are slaves. They've got no power. They've got no possessions. And they're going up to the Egyptians like they're, you know, they're, they're overlords or whatever. And they're going, you know, nice, nice sneakers. Can I have your sneakers? And the Egyptians go, yes, you can have my sneakers. Or um, Or you know, whatever it is, like, oh, a nice jewelry. I want that, please. And the, and the hearts of the Egyptians are turned towards them, and they give them all of the stuff. Some people have uh, I've heard that some people have suggested that this was compensation. This is, like, this is like repayment for the hundreds of years that the Israelites were slaves. And may, maybe that is the case, but I think the important thing to realize is that through the Egyptians, God himself is providing for them when they have nothing. Or at least very little. And later on, as they journey through the wilderness, so they they they're forced to leave Egypt, and then they journey through the wilderness. And God provides everything for them. He he protects them. He protects them from the from the Egyptians that, that try to uh, you know try to overtake them and uh, reclaim them. He provide God provides water. Like you might know the story of the water from the rock where Moses hits a rock and water comes out and there's other ways that God provides water. God provides food, like bread from heaven. The, uh, there was manna, this bread from heaven that appeared on the ground and he also provided quails. Like he provides food for them. And so through this journey, we see the generosity of God providing all that the people needed. And they had nothing. And he's like, here you go. I'm going to provide what you need, and we get to this point in the story where the people are camping out at the at the foot of Mount Sinai again in the wilderness, Mount Sinai, and it's this place where God meets with their leader. That's Moses at the top of the mountain, and God gives instructions to Moses about the kind of people that He wants the Israelites to be, and He and He lays out the covenant, this covenantal relationship. God also gives a detailed gives detailed instructions for the tabernacle. So the tabernacle is this portable temple, like a a sacred tent. And God's own presence will inhabit this this tent. The tent will be set up in the middle of the camp. And and this way, this is the way that God himself will abide in their midst. God himself, he says, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to abide in your midst. He's going to be in the middle of their camp in this tent, the tabernacle. And if you read Exodus, you'll see the the design for the tent. The tent is elaborate and, and ornate. And they'll need special fabric, he says, all these sorts of things. You need special fabric, you need special wood, you need gold, you need bronze to make it. And you're thinking, where are they going to get? Where are they going to get all the supplies for their tent? I live up in Kotokoto, down the bottom of my hill is Bunnings. I go down to Bunnings when I need to get stuff, or Mitre 10 Mega. But, you know, in the wilderness, 3,500 years ago, no Mitre 10 Mega, (laughs) not even Mitre 10 what have they got? And so, and so, you know, so God tells Moses to ask the people. He goes, and this is what he says Tell the people of Israel to, to bring me their sacred offerings. Accept the contributions from all whose hearts are moved to offer them. Here's a list of sacred offerings you may accept from them gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen, goat hair for cloth. Tanned ramskins and fine goatskin leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the lamps, spices for the anointing oil and the fragrant incense, onyx stones and other gemstones to be set in the ephod and the priest's chest piece. Have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. It's a lot of stuff, eh? I mean even if you went to Bunnings you wouldn't be able to get much of this stuff probably actually none of that stuff. So where did it all come from? Moses goes and asks the people, and, and this I reckon is like a hidden miracle in the book of Exodus. These former slaves, you know, we've read before how they ask the, ask the Egyptians for all of this stuff, and the Egyptians give them, you know, their favorite sneakers and, and gold and everything like that. And so these, these slaves, instead of clinging on to these possessions that they now got, they give it all up. And so we read this. This is uh, jumping forward to Exodus 35. So Moses does. He goes and asks the people, and it says this. So the whole community of Israel left Moses and returned to their tents. All whose hearts were stirred and whose spirits were moved came and brought their sacred offerings to the Lord. They brought all the materials needed for the temple, for the performance of its rituals, and for the sacred garments. Both men and women came whose hearts were willing They brought to the Lord their offerings of gold, brooches, earrings, rings from their fingers, necklaces. They presented gold objects of every kind as a special offering to the Lord. And then you keep reading in this chapter and it talks about all the different things that the people brought. And and it's amazing just even in itself, but it gets even crazier because they didn't stop giving. And it gets to this point where it's just too much. Like the build, the, the ones that are doing the building off the temple, off the tabernacle, they're going, it's too much, Moses. The people keep on bringing all of this stuff. You've got to do something about it. And so Moses then has to go to the people and go, stop. <laughs> you know, stop bringing all your stuff. It's too much. <laughs> this is a miracle. This is an absolute miracle. But I reckon that the, these people, they're actually reflecting the generosity of God. Like God was so generous to them. Yeah, he he leads them, he sets them free from slavery. He provides for all of their needs, everything they needed and more. And now their hearts, they, they respond likewise. You know, their their hearts were stirred, their spirits were moved, and they just came and they brought and they like, oh, this is amazing. And it's worship, isn't it? Yeah, pure and simple. Like we were singing that song this morning, yeah. You know? I want to bring you more than a song, <laughs> and they say so they were. They're were bringing more than a song, and it's from their heart as well. So when we jump, we, that in the Old Testament, and when we jump into the New Testament, uh, we discover God in the flesh, Jesus. Jesus and Jesus does similar things that God did in the Old Testament. He sets people free. We read of people setting people, God setting people free from demonic oppression. Break, you know, breaking their chains, sometimes sometimes literal chains, like the, the man in the graveyard. God sets them free. He, Jesus heals people from disease, and he, and he feeds people, hungry people. There are multitudes. There's a few stories of Jesus feeding, uh, feeding multitudes of, of people, taking a few bits of bread and fish and just multiplying it so all these hungry people can eat. And one of, his, one of his first recorded miracles is, is, at the, is at a wedding, and the wedding runs out of wine, and Jesus, God, provides wine, this delicious, amazing wine. He is generous. When you read the Bible, he's generous. One of the hardest things about, I was complaining to Tessa yesterday, as I do. And one of the hardest things about preparing a message, like preaching on a Sunday, is actually knowing what to, knowing what to leave out. Because you so you, read, you find a topic like generosity or the generosity of God. You start reading the Bible, and you're like, it's all through the Scriptures, so what don't I say? Yeah. Sorry, God, I hope that I landed on the right things today. Jesus in the flesh does, does the same thing. Uh, Jesus is God in the flesh, and he does the same things. Similar heart, you know, same heart in the New Testament as in the old. He is so generous. And, and all of that. All of that giving that we've just that I've just been telling you about—it's all—it's all—it's all superficial when compared to the greatest gift, gift of all, the gift of Himself. For God, for this is how, for this is how God loved the world, He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, that's what I was about to say. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever, whoever everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. You could say that generosity is, is, that, is a love language, a love language of God. God loves the world. And, and to be clear, like to spell it out, he's, he's, talking about, he's talking about the people of the world that God created. He loves the world. He loves us so much that He gave He gave His one and only Son. God is three in one, the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So in giving his son, God is giving himself. And this is the gift of Jesus. And this gift of Jesus gives eternal life to everyone who believes in him. It's amazing. Jesus is God. Uh, side note, yesterday, it was, it was pretty funny, actually. We were having Eli's birthday party, and there was a, a knock on the door, and, and a couple of gentlemen in suits um, invited us to a, uh, to a memorial service for Jesus that they're having on Friday. And uh, I thought, that's interesting. I said, oh, we're, having the, we're, having a, we're celebrating Easter as well. And he goes, oh, well, if you want to come along to our service, you can. And so I look, I look at the, um, you know, the flyer they gave us, and, it, and it, they were Jehovah's Witnesses. Folks inviting us to their, to their service. And I don't want to be down, I want to, don't want to beat up on them, but Jehovah's Witnesses have very different ideas, understanding of who Jesus is compared to um, Orthodox Christianity. So, um, whereas Friday in two weeks we'll, we will remember the, the death of Jesus when he died upon the cross, on Sunday we, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus and we believe that Jesus was resurrected in the flesh. Jehovah's Witness uh, folks believe that Jesus was only resurrected spiritually, not in the flesh. Also, uh, we our, our understanding of the Scriptures, bless you. is, is No, don't, don't have to be sorry. It's a sneeze. Our understanding is that Jesus is, is, is God, is, is part of the Holy Trinity, three in one God, had no beginning, has no end. Whereas Jehovah's Witnesses would say that Jesus was, was, was created, was a created being. Not God. So we bless them, Lord. But I pray for those, those gentlemen that knocked on our door yesterday that you would reveal the truth of who Jesus is to them, Lord. And God continues to give himself. In Luke eleven thirteen, Jesus says this. So if you sinful people, I'm waving my hand here. Yep, that's me. I'm pretty good every so often. If you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children. Oh, did you see the guitar I got, Eli? Yeah. This is awesome, eh? Hey? I know how to give Eli good gifts. Who wants to be my kid? <laughs> I'm taking the applications. If you know how to wash the dishes and change pooey nappies, you can be my kid. Uh, anyway, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? How much more will your, your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? That's Luke eleven thirteen and John fourteen sixteen. Jesus says, I will give. I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive Him because it, because it isn't looking for Him and doesn't recognize Him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. And I'm jumping ahead to Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came to, to be in the people, to fill the people of God in an incredible way at Pentecost. Pentecost, if you don't know, it's, it's a feast day that happens 50 days after, after Passover, after Jesus' resurrection. And 10 days, it was happened 10 days after Jesus ascended physically into heaven. On that Pentecost Sunday, 2,000 years ago, just as Jesus promised, the Holy Spirit came and filled 120 of Jesus' followers who had gathered in an upstairs room in Jerusalem. God filled these people like, so dramatically, and He transformed them so uh, completely that they began to reflect the character of God to others. And one of the key marks of these people was generosity, generosity. Acts four thirty two says this: all of the people, all of the all of the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. For instance, there was Joseph the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. Like, doesn't this remind you of the people of, of Israel after being set free from slavery and how, and how their hearts were moved, they were so stirred within that they brought, their, they brought their, all this stuff to the temple when they had to be asked to stop? And it also points to the, to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is, is this heavenly kingdom that Jesus announced, that he demonstrated, that he ushered in. The kingdom that is, that is even now among us. And often the kingdom is, is, is hidden, in hidden ways. But it's here among us. The kingdom of God will be fully consummated and will fully experience it when King Jesus returns when you when you think about the kingdom of God or you think about what it's like in, in heaven, is there gonna be, you know, is there will there be people in need? Will there be will there be poverty? Will there be homelessness? No. Will there be hungry people? No. <laughs> no one, you no know, one imagines that heaven's gonna be like that. In heaven, in this in this future kingdom, no one is hungry or homeless. It's filled and sustained with God's own presence. And I'm sure that every person, every person in God's kingdom will reflect God's character, including this loving, self-giving generosity, just like the first believers in the book of Acts. And can you, can you imagine a world like that? Can you imagine being like that? It's hard, isn't it? I, here's what I reckon. I reckon that every time we have a have a generous impulse, every time we we give away something, whether it's small, something small, or whether it's something big, it's as though we're actually pointing to a future that is even that is actually even better than we can imagine, and and reflecting the heart of God. Uh, yesterday, the U uh Bible app verse of the day was Hebrews 11.1, 1, which says. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. So by faith, we can, we can demonstrate the future. We hope for this future where people are fully exhibiting, you know, fully exhibiting the generosity of God. You know? We hope for this future where no one has needs, Right? And so by faith, we can demonstrate that future. And this can be in spectacular ways. So, you know, often uh, when, we, when we talk about the kingdom of God, we, we might think about people being healed of disease. We go, oh, well, in God's kingdom, there's, there's no disease. There's no sickness and death. So we can pray for people today. And sometimes we see signs of God's kingdom today and people are healed of disease. And it's spectacular You know, you might pray for somebody who's who's blind and and they're healed of blindness, or you might pray for somebody who's got cancer and they're healed of cancer. Or maybe, or maybe sometimes it's in more mundane and hidden ways, like buying somebody a coffee, you know, or giving or giving money to your church family. Simple things, less scary. Simple things and so I uh, just want to sort of like like think about think about this church for a moment to think about think about CV we've been uh, we've been drafting up the budget for the next finan- sort of fin- next financial year and, and it's looking challenging um, we've had a we've had a great have we had a decrease in the amount of of regular giving but our expenses, what we need to pay for, remains remains the same. You can, if you want to uh, see the worms, <laughs> you can you can take a look on the uh, on the noseboard down the back, and you can uh, you can see you can see how things are tracking. And so, when we we been drafting this budget, and we're looking at a shortfall of around thirty five thousand dollars. <gasps> no, that was like, oh, that was meant to be a joke. Like, <laughs> now nah, not a joke, but. Don't be scared. We're looking at a shortfall of around $35,000. God has been incredibly generous, generous to us through the generosity of people like you and like myself. And in previous years, we've been able to build up, build up savings, build up a bit of a buffer of $120,000. And so, you know, it's going to be all right. No need to panic. And yet we want to keep pressing on to the reality of what we hope for and to keep partnering with what God is doing in this church and in our city. You know, one of the one of the things that um, we haven't talked about for a while, but we're still on the lookout. We're still looking to employ somebody as our our children's ministry leader, to to work part time and to invest into our kids kids program. We want to we want to keep that on the radar, and we want to keep budgeting for that, right? We want to uh, keep looking for someone who can step in and do that. We also, I don't know if you've heard, if you've spoken to Zoe, our youth leader recently, but it's incredible what's happening on Friday night. This this youth is is growing in numbers. Like how many was it on Friday, Zoe? Uh, 20 20 people on Friday night coming along to learn about Jesus and to do youth alpha. Some are from CV and some are not. Zoe tells me the stories. I go, this is amazing. This is something that God is doing. And we want to increase our capacity in that space. Which again, which costs money. We want to continue being a, a generous church, to continue being generous to people. I haven't told enough stories about this, but um, uh, well, you might have seen in the CV news that, um, that there's a, a refugee family that, that Rosemary and Graham uh, know and have, have a lot of needs. And so they're looking for help. And so, as, um, so we've been able to provide. We've been able to give them um, countdown vouchers um, on, a, on a couple of occasions. So just to, to help them have food to eat. And Rosemary um, told me the other day when, when we, offered, um, we offered the family some countdown vouchers, the, the woman started crying with gratitude. We want to continue being generous and to become more generous. Also, you might not know, but uh, we, we donate money. We send money over to a pastor, Pastor Coingham, over, um, over in India, who passes a vineyard church? We want to su- keep continue doing it, su- supporting it. We want to we want to keep con- contributing to the vineyard nationally. I'm really excited uh, uh, about what, what is happening vineyard in New Zealand. One day I'll um, have a bit of time and, and talk about it, but. Um, we want to keep contributing to, to Vineyard Nationally. We want to, keep, we want to continue supporting and nurturing people who are part of the CV Whānau and as best as we're able, and we're still learning. There's so much to learn, and, and there's always so much more to do, but it's like, God, help us. And we want to keep being a light in the darkness. I've been thinking about this a lot over the last few weeks. Wellington City is a beautiful city. I, I love Wellington. I'm, I'm Wellington through and through. Eh? I love the city, but it's a difficult city. It's a difficult place, and having churches like Capital Vineyard Church, like uh, like the Street Church, like Elam, these are these are lights in the darkness of our city. Our city actually needs us more than we than we realise. We want to keep being a light in the darkness of our beautiful city. We want to learn. We want to discover how we can actually shine even brighter. And so I did some, this is, I was working on this uh, last night, did some, I was like, well, I wonder how much it's actually going to take to sort out this $35,000 deficit. And I figured out that if 50 adults, 50 adults increased their weekly giving by $14.50, we would not have a a financial shortfall. In fact, we'd have more than enough, $14.50. And so this this is a real wheel, a real wheel, this is a real wheel way that you and I can actually participate in the generosity of God and to respond to God's generosity to us and to reflect the character and the nature of, our, of a generous God. Oh, that's the wrong one. Ah, didn't, didn't get there. Paul, Second uh, Corinthians, I um, didn't include this on my slides, but in 2 Corinthians 9, he's talking to the Corinthian church about generosity. And he says this. This is 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. So there's no pressure from me, okay? There's no pressure from me. There's no pressure from the CV leadership to give. I don't, uh, just so you know, I don't look at the bank statements to see like whose, whose names are on there, to see who's, who's giving and who isn't. And I don't want this to be a message about how you must give to be part of this church family or to make anyone feel guilty about you know, if you don't give or you don't give much or whatever it is, no, is, don't feel guilty about this. Instead, this is an invitation to respond to the generosity of God. And maybe part of that is just remembering, like thinking about, well, God, have you provided for me? Ah, yeah, you have. How can I pass that on maybe? In in Exodus, Moses asked for contributions from the people. and And it was very, very clear when you read Exodus. God says, uh, to to ask for, ask for contributions from the people whose hearts are stirred, and I think it's really really interesting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Whose hearts are stirred? Whose hearts are moved to offer them? People gave whose hearts were stirred and whose spirits were moved. And In Acts, we see we see the early believers becoming incredibly generous to the, as the Holy Spirit with, with, moved within them. You don't see in gen, in, in the book of Acts like. Peter or one of the apostles going, okay, guys, here's what you got to do. Sell your house and, and bring all the money to me so I can give the money away. You don't see that. It's like a spontaneous thing. It's amazing what happens when the Spirit moves. And so perhaps today, perhaps today, because we believe, you know, God is, God is in this place. Holy Spirit's moving. Perhaps today God is actually nudging you. This is a, this is a reminder from God, perhaps. To think about to think about giving or to increase your giving to CV or if you're part of another church to think about you know how much you contribute to your church community and if you if you want to know how to give to CV then uh, I think the easiest way is actually to go and buy a coffee and while you're buying a coffee take a look at the information by the Fbos machine uh, down the back area or come and have a come and have a talk to me or have, have talked to Miranda or um, The other day, um, I was thinking, of, you know, I've been thinking a lot of, about the generosity of God. And when you start thinking about the generosity of God, you just see, you just see, you become grateful in so many different ways. Like that song, thanks for the set that you chose this morning, Matt. Like those songs, they just fit, seem to fit like 10,000 reasons to praise God. And, and, and Michelle, were joking before about the passages, how, you know, will they be in line, you know. Uh, and it feels like that word, God is faithful and provides for us, This says in Lamentations. Anyway, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about how, you know, when the sun comes up, and we see the reflections of sun, or we see the sun coming up in the morning, and it's like those reflections of the sunlight is, is, like, um, is a bit like generosity reflecting the heart of God. How God is so generous and kind, and so when we, when we experience acts of generosity or when we give stuff away, it's almost like the sign of God and God's kingdom. And then my, my, friend, uh, my friend Willie, he lives over in Switzerland. Out of the blue, like, he, he messages me, and he sends through this photo. He lives in a little little town in Switzerland, and he told me that cars can't let a drive in there, so they've got to park outside the village. Amazing, eh? Look at that. And if you see that picture, hopefully you can see the sunlight on the tops of the mountains. You see that? And then the moon just above that. And it's just like this picture of, of, of what I think God is, is inviting us into, to, to reflect the heart of God, to reflect the nature of God uh, in, in, in everything we do. And, and generosity, I think, is one of these ways that we can go, okay, God, I can actually reflect your heart. Generosity is powerful and transformative. Through acts of generosity, we reflect the goodness of God to the world. We point to the future reality of the fullness of the kingdom of God. And as we give, I've discovered this over and over. As I give, I'm changed. It's hard to describe. I'm changed as I give. Situations change. People are blessed. And and we also discover more of the goodness of God in our own lives. God is so good. Do you want to stand and pray? We'll pray. We'll bring it, bring it all to God. Lord, just thank you, for, thank you for your presence for us. And Lord, I just feel like just, I'm just barely scratching the surface of, of your generosity to us and, and, and the ways that you're generous to us. I feel like I, I'm only scratching the surface of actually in what I understand of that, Lord. You are a self-giving God. You're the God who gave your son. You're the God who gives your Holy Spirit. You're the self-revealing God. You're unlike any other. No other person is like you. Thank you for your heart for us, Lord. Thank you for your kindness to us, God. The Holy Spirit, even now, would would you move in this place? Pray, Lord, that that, uh, that what you are wanting to speak into our hearts, what you are wanting to share with us, those are the, those are the words that will, will sit sit there and, and go deep, Lord. Bring about that transformation from, from deep within our hearts, leading to life and, and flourishing and goodness in you. Thank you, Father.